Uh, Jack, Jack, quick moment of your time, please. How does it feel to finally discover the Villa Talks podcast? Um, best day of my life. Great, there you have it. Back to you at the studio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Villa Talks podcast. Another episode of the Lockdown Lowdown, joined by the regular crew, Chadzi and Jugsy today to talk about last night's game. Really, really another frustrating night for Aston Villa, uh, but not of our own doing, really. Uh, some more VAR controversy uh, seems to be going against us a lot lately. Um, so we'll be talking about that, talking about the match. The boys will be giving their views on the match, giving their thoughts, analysing the goals. Um uh, and, and and the various action points. But uh, needless to say, I'm pretty sure that everyone will be feeling pretty aggrieved about last night's result, but but proud of the boys anyway. Uh, we'll also be doing our end-of-year awards as well. Uh, not going to be a long one. We're not going to try and milk it for too much and just go through a few, four or five categories that we think are worth mentioning and, and go through some of the nominations and, and decide who we think are are the award winners basically and, and maybe at the same time go through a little highlight reel of, of what happened over 2020 which was a bit of a roller coaster ride for for Villa fans uh, on the whole but firstly Chadzi I'll come to you mate uh, as always just give me your your general thoughts about the about the match yeah you summed it summed it up well I think Holmes it was um, a performance to be proud of another very good performance and on another day we could have come away with something from that game I felt that we did deserve more um, I quite enjoyed Smith's interview after the game where he got into the players a little bit for the first half performance because the first 20-25 minutes wasn't us, you know. We were a bit tentative on the ball. Uh, our passing wasn't very progressive. We didn't look very confident and we weren't sort of at it to use a bit of a footballing cliche. But um, And I like the fact that Smith is already setting the standards high um, and he expects us to be on it. Um, for every minute of every game now because we've sort of set the bar and there's no reason we should drop drop uh, our intensity levels or our quality levels. But yeah, we, we definitely grew into the game from there and our second half performance was, was really good, really encouraging. We created loads of chances and um, very, very frustrating way to lose a game really. You know, I don't feel like that's that's the right outcome, you know, for somebody to get given an opportunity for, for to score an easy goal from 12 yards out for such a minor discretion if, if there was a discretion at all but you know that's that's an, probably a story for another day um, and once we got the equaliser I felt like there was only one team that was going to go on and win it you know I was so confident we were going to go and win that game that it was just a bit of a bit of a blow to concede so soon after the equaliser but like I said on the whole another another performance that you can be really proud of and one that shows we, we can really mix it with the the top echelons of the league yeah, yeah, I think so. I think uh, we. I think even though we lost, we did make some sort of a statement there because we went toe to toe with them, as you said. And I, I like you, enjoyed Smith's um, interview, and and I think it shows a difference between. And not to dig out Bruce here because you know we we don't like really like to talk about him too much, but I think you know if that was Steve Bruce giving the interview as an example, he'd be talking about how how. Uh, impressed he was with the Villa team and how how happy he was with the performance but Villa but Smith you know that, that shows you the standards we're playing at this year you know he wasn't happy with our first half performance and, and me you know I said first half yeah first 10-15 minutes we weren't great pretty sloppy giving the ball away a lot but I was quite content with the performance I thought we were okay but 
it shows you the level that we're playing at and, and the level that we expect to be playing at, or, or at least the management staff anyway, um, that, that the Smith wasn't happy with that. And second half, we were much, much improved. And any sort of notions of fatigue or worry about the team having to play lots of games in, in a short amount of time were sort of put to bed, really, um, in that second half performance because we looked a different team, I thought. Jugsy, well, I suppose b- before we go on to sort of the, the key, sort of key action points, just what do you think of the first half, and then and then if you can just talk about talk about United's first goal as well. Yeah, I thought yeah we started off slowly. I thought we were sloppy in possession, um, gave the ball away too much, especially in that midfield area, and I thought we found it difficult to get our wingers into the game. So um, yeah, it was disappointing, but we came back into it in that first half, and uh, yeah, that that first goal for United. Um, again, came against the run of play. And just looking back and analysing that goal, um, they sort of break on that right-hand side and uh, Algarzi sort of loses his runner in Wan-Bissaka. wan uh, gets into that right-hand side and begins trying to keep up with him. And Conter and Mings are in, are, are in a good place in, in terms of their positioning. But what they're trying to do is, because we keep such a high line, they're trying to get back in line with the ball uh, for when Basaka's making that crossing. Um, so... The, momen- the momentum of them is going back towards our goal. So when Bissaka plays that ball in, which I don't think he meant it to Martial, he sort of just put a cross in, in into, into an area. Mings, I know he's, he's got a bit of uh, stick uh, on Twitter and things like that, but you can't really do much about that unless he's inspected Gadget and go-go-go-go go, go Gadget neck or something and heads that away because his momentum and his positioning is just going towards that front post and towards our goal. So if you've played football, you've been in that position where you defended the front post and sometimes you can't do much about that ball being cut back. So it was a disappointing goal to concede because um, we've not really been sloppy this season with goals like that. And it's one of those where Martial's made a clever run. Conter's sort of lost him, but Mings has not been able to clear it away. And yeah, it was a disappointing way to to, to go into half time when we looked like we, we were a lot more positive and a lot more progressive, really. And Chadzi, it's, it's very, it's almost like a mirror image of Giroud's goal against us for Chelsea. Um, is that, is there something to be concerned about there, or is it just one of those, one of those things? Yeah, I was going to say actually, it is a bit of a running theme, really, that that m- momentum and movement that Jugsy talked about, where the, the centre backs are trying to get back in line with the ball. That sort of cutback cross does seem to be our weak link. You know, Chelsea exploited it, United exploited it. It does seem like something that teams are targeting. Um, we talked about it earlier in the season, I remember, I think after the after the Brighton game as well, where the back four naturally moved towards towards the goal line um, as one. And it's that sort of six-yard penalty spot area where the defensive midfielder or one of, one of the centre, central defenders has to really has to really get in and, and get on the man um, rather than marking the space. But I think we're clutching at straws to, to criticise the defence, the shape, the individuals really, because they've been superb this season and, and the stats in comparison to the teams in and around us, let alone some of the teams we were competing with last year, speak for themselves. So, you know, you can't be absolutely picture perfect every minute of every game and, and you've got to some, sometimes pay credit to the attack. You know, it's a good header from Marshall, it's a good header from Jury the other day, but, you know, maybe that is something that going forward, the coaching staff might look at and make sure that next time someone gets in behind and looks to cut that cross back and concert or um, Mings goes goes to the man rather than both dropping back towards the goalkeeper but you know Dean Smith and John Terry know more than us so we'll see Do you think I mean, do you think House was unlucky not to not to start the game and were you surprised that Mings came straight back in or or are you of the opinion 
that means is one of our sort of go-to men and has to start every game. You know, there's there's a there's a sort of social media was sort of split 50-50, let's say. Um, there was quite a vocal minority or, or majority, I don't really know, but who were quite against Mings coming straight back into the team and, and seemed to have an issue with Mings because he makes a lot of mistakes apparently. But I mean, what, where, where do you where do you sort of sit on the in terms of that argument? Yeah, I mean, let's not forget these people are probably the same people that are absolutely hammering Courtney Hawes in his early days at Villa and probably at times last season. So it's very easy just to to go with the wind, depending on how people are playing in a little short short spell of three or four games. But um, yeah, he's definitely unlucky to be dropped because he's played brilliantly and he should be really proud of the impact he's had on the improvement in, in our performances um, and the results that Villa have that Villa have achieved whilst he's been in the team. But you know, Tyron Tyron Mings is an England international defender by merit. Um, he's a leader. He's essentially um, the captain out there on the pitch alongside Jack. He's the most vocal player. He organises and orchestrates so much what we do, both defensively um, when we don't have the ball, but also dictating the players in front of him when we do have it, like like Jug mentioned last week. So, you know, it's one of those, you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't from Smith's perspective. And um, it's easy in hindsight to say that if, if Hulse had played, he might have headed that away, but it's nonsense really, you know. There's so many different elements of the game that you can't you can't analyse down to a T and um, nail down individuals for each 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 instance. So I think it was the right decision from Smith, but at the same time, Courtney Hawes can feel hard done by. You know, it's not a perfect world. Yeah. So looking at, looking at the second half, uh, Villa come back into it, start playing much more progressive. Uh, Jugsy mentioned that we started to do the end of the first half, and uh, we're really Looking like the most likely to score, although, albeit, you know, Man United did have a few attacks on the break and, and Martinez had to make a few saves as well. Uh, first big chance was Ollie Watkins's chance, a header uh, across, back at goal, back to where it came from. And De Gea made a, a wonderful save, really. Um, Ollie Watkins, pretty unlucky. I don't think he was, there was too much more he could do with that, uh, apart from what he did, which was which was trying to head it back to where, I, where it came from, like I said. Uh, but apart from that, we had a few other chances, a few other near misses, got into some good positions, uh, but yeah, looked a much better team compared to the first half. Jigsy, what did you make the what, what did you make to the change of the way that we we played, and what did you put it down to? Uh, was it just a confidence thing, and do you think it was just the Smith getting into the team a bit more, or do you think we adapted slightly differently to how May United were playing? Yeah, I think Smith got into the into the lads at half time, but we just had a bit of a higher tempo, so we were just passing it quicker. I thought the fullbacks uh, were a bit more of a threat, especially Cash on that right hand side. He was overlapping Troy. Um, Troy showed a bit more urgency in that second half because I thought the first half he was sort of very very la- relaxed and yeah, too easy on the ball and sort of didn't really get into the game at all. Um, Algazi was obviously a bit more um, forward thinking as well. Um, so trying trying to drive up Wimbasaka and link it up with Jack, and yeah, I thought Jack Grealish again in that second half took the game by the scruff of the neck really, and he was the difference really. Every time he got the ball, he made um, a forward pass or created space for other players or, or played um, a delivery in, into the box and created a chance. So he was obviously the key difference for us, I thought, and his quality was was probably the best in, uh, in that pitch really. He was a standout player for me. Um, so it just shows again how good of a player he is because he's doing it week in, week out for us. And yeah, I just thought the wingers got into the game a bit more. We were trying to play one twos and look, looking to sort of be a bit more flexible again in, in how we approach our attack play. 
And uh, Watkins obviously was again a willing runner. And his header, I think that De Gea save was obviously top class. I'm um, just wondering whether he could have gone near post rather than going back towards that far post. Uh, but he was, again, unfortunate not to score, really. And, yeah, with our goal, um, if I just go on to that, I thought, um, again, it was a clever bit of play from Grealish. And we've overloaded on that right-hand side. And um, Dougie Louise, actually, who, who had an excellent game as well, uh, was unlucky to get not get any contact on his sort of attempted shot and fell to Traore. And Traore, I thought, showed great composure because it was a great first touch out, out of his right foot. And then, yes, yeah, just slotted at home, really. So that was uh, a high bit of quality from Torre. And he's shown that bit of quality, actually. Um, so, yeah, it's quite positive in terms of him scoring a goal, even though he probably didn't have his best game. And from that point on, I thought we were going to go on and to win that game because we just looked uh, a massive threat every time we went forward. Yeah, I suppose it shows you, I think, you know, that kind of game is some sort of what the issue we've got on the right wing there where we've got Truro who's got that quality and composure in the final third, uh, which, which you know, he's already come in, what, three goals, a couple of assists as well, um, I think, from, from memory. Uh, but that's the kind of game that maybe Trez would have would have helped us out with a lot uh, against the better teams, especially in that defend, defending side of things, Chazu, do you think? Yeah, I think they're, they're two, I think it's noticeable now, isn't it? They're two very different players. You, you can't really compare them like for like. When you've got Trey or in the team, you need to understand that we need to play differently. Um, I, I noticed in the first half very early on that United were trying to do what um, Chelsea did and, and overload their left-hand side. You know, Fred was dropping deep to, to play alongside Maguire um, when United had the ball and Baye sort of creating a bit of a three so that Luke Shaw could push on, uh, supporting Martial and or Rashford, depending on which side they were interlinking on. And Luke Shaw was essentially staying in 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 our half. So, you know, Fred was there just in case we did nick the ball and counter. Uh, and, you know, that's clearly something that opposition have identified. But, you know, Traore isn't Trezeguet, so let's not expect him to do things that Trezeguet does because he can do things Trezeguet can't do with the ball. So you just got to accept the different players and find a way to make it work. Um, so, yeah, it, it's something that um, we've spoken about. But what I do like so much about when Traore plays and that sort of inverted winger is how much space Matty Cash is finding. And some of his some of his final balls yesterday were absolutely superb. It was like, like seeing Beckham at Old Trafford again. He was whipping those balls, undefendable at times. And, um, you know, we, we mentioned it on the last pod, but he's really starting to starting to come to the fore from an attacking perspective as well now for the Villa. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in my opinion, he was probably, and I'll, well, I'll let you speak about him and wax lyrical about him as well, uh, Chugsy uh, and Chaz. But in my opinion, he was probably our best player yesterday, uh, last night. He was, he, was my, he was my man of the match, um, I thought. Um, you know, he was just, I think early part of the season, he's shown his defensive abilities and how... how he plays with such an intensity that it's very difficult for any any winger to play against him. And he's come across against some really good wingers. He's only had really one bad game, in my opinion, which was against Southampton, where he made a couple of mistakes. But I think every other game he's been, you know, he's he's been at his best and he's performed really well. But the last couple of games, two or three games, we've seen him from an attacking sense and we've seen his ability on the ball. He's obviously the guy to put at the crossing for our guards against Chelsea. They put numerous crosses uh, against Man United yesterday, even a set piece which we were struggling with first half. You know, Matty Cash steps up on the right hand side, whips in a fantastic ball from deep uh, with so much pace and curl. 
Um, you're right. It was Beckham-esque and, and that's great to see. And so it's great to see that we've got that quality on the pitch still because Shore, although he had a bad game in terms of set pieces, I still think he's had some great set piece deliveries over the last few games as well. And it means that we don't miss someone like Conor Harahan, who, you know, is really, was really in the team for his set piece delivery rather than anything else. And now it seems like Ramsey, who came on as well, is ahead of him um, in terms of... Uh, It'll be interesting you know, to see now if Cash starts taking the corners. Yeah. Because, you know... Traore's decent from that right-hand side, but we need a right-footer to swing them in. And for some reason that I can't fathom, Jack's corners uh, are nowhere near the level they should be for a man of his quality. But um, yeah, I'd like to see Cash, Cash swinging them in. I mean, I don't, I don't think Jack is a natural set-piece taker. I think this is a point that Jugsy made earlier about, uh, well, a few shows ago after the Wolves game about set-pieces and, and Jack not being a natural penalty taker. And, I actually kind of agree with him. Not that I think, you know, I agree penalties are, you know, the easiest thing you can do in football and, and someone of Jack's ability is going to be putting it away regardless. But I think as a, as a as a set-piece delivery taker, you know, it's probably the only part of his game where he falls short of when compared to someone like Madison or Mount um, because he, he, isn't, he doesn't have that ability maybe in terms of set-pieces, but everything else, obviously, he's amazing at. Uh, we've got Deckers as well joining us. What are your... What are your thoughts on on the second half performance of, of Villa before we go on to the penalty decision? Um, I thought well, the second half we were much much better. Um, I thought if you go into Old Trafford and we're trying to win the game, so it's good signs there. And I thought we um, we we created a lot, but we didn't we didn't work De Gea enough, in my opinion, really. Um, for the amount of chances and good positions we got into, I thought we should have tested him a little bit more. Um, but like I say, yeah, it was it's good because we're going there trying to win a game. Last year we were nowhere, we wouldn't any be anywhere near that. So it's all progress. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? I know we drew last year, but I think the performance levels and the way that we approach this game is completely different. I know we lost and we drew last year, but I think it shows you the the level that we're at. Where you know Man United are, you know they're they're celebrating that. Like a massive victory in their season yeah. at the end of the end of that end of that game, which it's, I think shows you the the level. Two we're different at. Man United sides as well. This side is probably at the peak of their sort of performance levels, and last season they were pretty average. So it just shows how well we did, really. And given considering that we've made one change from Chelsea, which is only a few days ago, and we've had this busy Christmas period as well. Just credit to Dean Smith and the lads. I mean, we couldn't have asked more from them in terms of that performance, because, yeah, we started off slow, that was expected, but, yeah, we grew into that game and were probably the better side in the last sort of 25 minutes. And I know um, United had a couple of chances and Martinez was world-class yet again, but we were sort of attacking um, a lot, so we were leaving a bit more space in the back. So, yeah, I mean, that sort of performance, considering the run we've had of games and everything and the lack of squad depth, you can't knock it really and we deserved a draw. But that's football sometimes. Um, games like Wolves, we got a win where we probably deserved a draw. Chelsea, we weren't great and came away with a draw. So hopefully things like that evens itself off um, over the course of the season, really. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, and I agree. And yeah, I think as Villa fans, we can only be proud of the team and what they've done over these last few weeks. And hopefully, and I hope it's not a blip. And I'm oh, sorry, I hope it is just a blip and uh, we, we'll come back fighting against Spurs and obviously we've got Liverpool before then. But it's going to be a hard and tough January and uh, at the end of January, I think we'll see where we are exactly as a team and where we can potentially finish. Um, but just before we sort of move on, let's talk about the penalty 
Um, controversial decision again. Another VAR call gone against us. Uh, another one where I'm sitting here thinking, I, I don't really understand. Similar to last season's again, when Fernandez got that penalty. It seems to me, at first showing that Pogba kicks Louise's leg and then trips himself up. Um, I can understand why the referee's given it uh, because I thought Louise got too tight uh, on him and then fouled him. But then on, on VAR, when you look at it again, you know, I'm surprised it hasn't gone to the monitor and the referee has had a chance to look at it again. I'm just, I just don't really understand it, to be honest. I'm a bit fed up of it. Chadzi, I don't want to spend too much long on VAR because we talk about it every week, it seems. But just give me your give me your thoughts. Yeah, I pretty much echo everything you said, to be honest. I, I could understand why I gave it originally. You know, we can't re-referee every single, um, every single decision in the game. That's not what VAR is here for. But I was very surprised that they didn't ask him to at least go over and have a look at it on the monitor. Um, but I'm not surprised at all that VAR hasn't worked and Michael Oliver's um, made a bad decision because and I don't want to I don't want to moan about that one-off decision. I'd rather talk about what I thought was just a terrible refereeing display from Michael Oliver from the very first minute. You know, United were clearly um, trying to stop our counters. You know, they were committing professional fouls from 15th minute onwards, and they clearly had a foul rotation policy where they were taking turns to stop us on the break. Fred, McTominay, Matic, once he came on, Bailly, Wambasaka, they're all just rotating, basically. Was, and I think even Fernandes said after the game that was something that Solskjaer had set them up to do, make sure that they committed the early foul and stopped our counter-attack. And fine, that's a tactic. That's that's United's discretion, how they want to play. Uh, and good luck to them. But, you know, Oliver waited too late in the game to, to get his cards out. He did end up giving quite a few in the last 10-15 minutes, but it was far too late. You know, There should have been United players from half-time onwards that were um, on their last chance saloon and that would have allowed us a bit more freedom to play. And I think it could have been a very different game if we'd got, got a handle on it. I think United committed 22 fouls in the end. and It's just so frustrating that a professional referee can't see that unfolding in front of him. I'm, uh, you know, the one-off decision about the penalty, you know, can... We can talk about that until the cows come home, but that's just a one-off decision. But managing a game and seeing what's unravelling in front of him and not being able to um, police it correctly is just so frustrating. And Michael Oliver, for me, is one of the worst referees in the league. And um, the sooner we see the back of him, the better. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he was he, he was he was a referee against uh, Brighton, wasn't he? I think. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah. Clown. So, and he overturned that decision. And I know he had a chance to look at it again, but it would have been interesting to see whether he had a chance to look at that again, what he would have done. But I agree completely in terms of the overall game of it. You know, Matic comes in within the first minute, he puts in a pretty high challenge. I know it's in the, inside our, our own half, but it's a pretty high challenge on Grealish. And normally nine times out of 10, that's a yellow card and he gets away with it. And he's able to make two or three more fouls after that before he gets a yellow card. And it's just things like that. McTominay, I think, made five or six fouls in the game and didn't get one yellow card. And Solskjaer had to take him off because he knew it was a yellow card waiting to happen. But you know, those types of games, it's just, it's just, it's just like you said, bad bad refereeing. And, and I'm sure he'd look back at that and, and be disappointed in himself because I think it was a bad, bad refereeing performance yeah and again it doesn't really count for anything because we not didn't get anything out of the game but it's again compliment to to Villa and Dean Smith again because a team like Man United one of the first tactics and concentration is to foul us or stop us playing our game so again just shows the massive strides that we've taken this season and uh, yeah long may, may it continue really 
Decker, so how did you think we reacted to that goal? And uh, obviously, we had a couple of chances after the Mings chance and the Davis chance at the end. How do you think we reacted? Were we quite quite pleased with our performance after that? Never looked down and out. Um, and like on another day, I mean, we probably should Mings won. Maybe should have done better with that. We could have been back in the game, and it could have been two two. Um, and then I think we'd have even kicked on again and gone for the winner if we'd have got that. Um, so I was pleased with the reaction. Yeah, like I say, they they never look beat this team at the moment. They're always got fight in them. Yeah, I mean the mentality wise, um, it's a completely different team than what we used to, and I think Villa fans are adapting to that as well uh, because. Normally against Man United, one 0 down at half time, you're thinking that's game over. But I was pretty, always pretty confident, even though we weren't at our best first half. I was always pretty confident we can get back in the game. And, and as soon as we got back in the game, I thought this was it. This was our chance to win it. And uh, so obviously that that penalty decision has cost us in the end. But one thing I want to touch on, Chadzi, and I'd like to get your thoughts on it, is options from the bench. Um, so before we close out, I just want to talk about this and look ahead to the January window as well. We had Ramsey come on uh, in the second half, and we had. Davis come on in the second half. It doesn't really... I mean, people on, on social media were sort of clamouring for Dean Smith to make changes after the 60th, 65th minute. But do you really blame him for not making that many changes given the bench that we have? And is that a concern for you going into January window in terms of squad rotation and, and trying to change a game? Well, I think we're suffering from injuries as well, aren't we? Obviously, if we had Barkley, Trezeguet and Wesley fit, that's all of a sudden a much stronger bench. So hopefully Barkley and Trezeguet aren't far away. And if Wesley's back in February, March, then brilliant. So, you know, I think the squad is deeper and is stronger than sort of yesterday's options um, suggested. Uh, but injuries do happen and you do need a, an even bigger squad to be able to cover for them. But, you know, I'm not sure. I don't think we should, after one defeat, start um, reversing what we've been saying in the last few weeks, which is actually we've got a good little core of 14, 15 players that are all pushing each other and all all providing quality when they get the opportunity. You know, let's not forget Al Ghazi and Traore were fringe players at the start of the season and they've been our, our most productive players in the last three or four weeks. So that does speak to a bit of strength in depth um, for me. Yeah, every single squad in the league would like to add some quality in January. Of course, you know, if we can buy a couple of players at good value that are going to improve our squad, then I wouldn't say no to that. But I don't think we're desperate for it. I think the strength in what we're doing is the consistency in selection. Um, everyone knows their roles. And um, I think we're all right, to be honest. Get Trezeguet and Barkley back. I do like Keenan. You know, he's never going to score 20 goals in the Premier League. But I do like him. I do think, given a bit more game time... Um, the goals will come from you. Not not in not in masses, but you know only something like last night. One of those is going to go in for him off deflection or something one day, and it's just going to give him a bit more confidence. But I do like the impact he has when he comes on, and it's very difficult to to have little five ten minute spells here and there. Um, so you know, yeah, of course, it'd be great to get one or two, but I don't think we're desperate for it to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I think it's one of those, isn't it? I think um, do you stick or twist? Uh, January is always a difficult window, hard to get value. Now with what's going on with Brexit as well, um, it's going to be difficult to negotiate um, permits and that kind of stuff. Maybe we'll look abroad to maybe Brazil and those types of areas where we haven't done that much before. Who knows? Well, I guess we'll see. Um, hopefully Barkley and Trezeguet will be back sooner rather than later. I don't think Wes will be back or back to full fitness and back to his best for a while yet. And I doubt we'll see much of him this season, um, but I guess we'll see. If it was me, maybe I'd be looking at a forward as another option. But 
who knows? We'll see. I guess uh, we'll see as the as the January window flies by. I'm sure, as I'm sure, as I'm sure it will. We'll see what happens and if there's a deal to be done. Jersey, before we move on to sort of the uh, 2020 review, let's get your final thoughts on on the game. Yeah, just again disappointing to come away um, from that game with nothing and. For it to go down to a, a 50-50 decision, again, is disappointing where we don't really have the rub of the green, I, th- I thought, with that decision at all. Um, yeah, the boys showed great fight and character. I thought McGinn and Louise were excellent in that midfield. I mean, Louise was probably one of our best players. I mean, he was doing all sorts of flicks and Cruyff turns past the Man United midfield. And uh, yeah, he was unlucky. He probably got caught the wrong side and uh, made sort of a rash movement. But yeah, he was unlucky with his with his um, foul on, on Pogba, also a goal foul on Pogba. But again, yeah, yeah, pleasing um, performance in that second half, very positive. And I think getting Barkley back as soon as possible will definitely help the team and uh, improve that quality in that final third and help us retain that ball better. And uh, the wingers, again, stepped up in that second half because they had a really poor first half between them, Argazi and Traore. And I know the output's been there this season, so it's been really pleasing. But sometimes you need more from your wingers than just goals and assists. You need performances where they can take the ball, get it into dangerous areas in the opposition's half, you know I mean? Uh, attract players away from Grealish and things like that. Um, so I think um, it was good that they showed a bit of character as well because that's going to be important going um, yeah, ahead of the next few games, really. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I think I think that is an important an important point to make, and uh, it's a tough run of fixtures coming up. It's going to be pretty uh, full on, so it'd be good. It's good that we've got wingers there contributing, and we've got the squad there contributing. So, and as soon as Barkley and Trez come back into the team, as Chazzy says, we we improve massively. Decker's uh, looking ahead to those those runner games just quickly. And the Liverpool game in particular, the, the FA Cup game. I know it's a week away, away, and we'll be doing a preview uh, nearer the time. But obviously, a, a point of contention is whether you think and whether fans think it's worthwhile mixing the team team up, trying to rest a few. And if we are, how many changes are you looking to make? Are you making wholesale changes? Are you uh, trying to mix with some first team players with some squad players? How would you approach it? Um, I'd be making as many changes as I could really, resting them up, given the position that we are in the league. I think we've given ourselves a great chance of top half finish, if not better, pushing for Europe. So for me, I I don't think we we would go all the way to the FA Cup final and win it. So I'd switch as many players as I could and rest a lot of our big players. I was was thinking about this today. I saw you tweet, Ames, about the FA Cup and saying that you, I think you would like a strong team because you want us to win it. I'm not sure I want us to win it. Like, I don't want Villa to win a trophy when we can't be there to witness it. It would feel hollow to me, honestly. I've been thinking about it long and deeply in the last few weeks. I wouldn't want us to win the Premier League this year and I wouldn't want us to win the FA Cup. I genuinely wouldn't. I feel like it would be such a waste because um, it's all about the moment, all about the experience. Finishing the top four, finishing the top six is great because we're going to then enjoy hopefully experience next season of getting to go and see these European games and European nights and you know I'm getting getting ahead of myself because we're still a million miles off that don't get me wrong but I don't want Villa to win the FA Cup and I can't explain why that's such a stupid thing to say from a Villa fan but it would just feel hollow I don't know if surely 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 if you're given a chance to win it and you take it no regardless of 
I understand what I you're saying. I don't know. Honestly, it, it, I don't know. It would just be, it would be just our luck, obviously, that we uh, we win it in the year that we can't go. But trophy's a trophy at the end of the day, isn't is it? Is it, though? Is it a trophy? What is the point in it? Like, what is it, the point in football if you can't be there and celebrate and lift it? Like, for me, a trophy isn't a trophy. Winning the FA Cup is winning the FA Cup, being there, the days out, going to Wembley, walking down Wembley Way, celebrating, going for beers with the lads, singing. Like, trophy isn't trophy. I don't think Grealish is like, I'm not going to lift this trophy off. No, the Sorry. players are not Yeah, I'm buzzing. saying Grealish will be like, oh, Adam Canning's not here, so I'm not going to lift the trophy off. Oh, don't Let's... say my real name. <laughs> Everyone knows it now, mate. You've been on, you've been on uh, the Dwight York interview. Everyone knows it, mate. Adam. I don't know. I don't know. I, I know I'm probably in a minority on that, but it's just a little weird thing I've got that I don't want to say. No, I know. We, I talked about it yesterday on another pod, on the Villa View. We were talking about it and... Uh, you know, someone else mentioned the same. I think it's Dan that mentioned the same point. He said, "You know, I'm not that bothered about it because if it can't be there, then it's, it's pointless to me. It, it doesn't matter." Um, but do you think that that doesn't apply to the Premier League because it, there's such a long, there's a long term benefit to doing well in the Premier League? Yeah, and we're not going to win it. Uh, you know, finishing as high up as possible. The, the benefits of that will be hopefully when we're there next season. We're not going to win it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see. I see what you're saying. I mean, I. I get it. I completely get it. You know, I do. I think it's, uh, it will just be our we? luck for us. Just <laughs> it'll just be our luck that we uh, we win it in the season that we can't go. And who knows what's going to be happening in May and whether we'll be able to go. I doubt it. If we are, it'll be a few thousand fans, I imagine. But um, I mean, I definitely would be. When I said a strong team, I said a mixture between a strong team and a and a squad player. So I'd be maybe looking to play maybe a few players. Someone like I don't know Mings, Louise. Um, Maybe McGinn or, or or some one of the wingers, maybe you know, maybe maybe one of the fullbacks, and then the rest made up of squad players. So I'll do like a mixture between the two rather than a full out uh, first eleven. But at the end of the day, we've got a week till the next game. We've got a week till the game after, so there's enough rest there. The key then is the issue that we then have is the games following that, where it's a game every three days for a few for a few weeks. So you have to you have to worry about sort of mus- uh, muscle injuries and, and soft tissue injuries as well when there's sort of uh, so much work going on and especially someone like Ollie Watkins who I think yesterday was probably the first time we saw a, a really tired Ollie Watkins towards the end of the game where he sort of ran out of steam and that that is the worry I suppose and it's an opportunity I suppose to beat Liverpool at Villa Park for a third consecutive time which I'm sure we probably haven't done that many times in our history no, five no. nil, seven two. Let's see what we what we. Can yeah, get and I'm sure through. I'm sure they'll have a weaker team as well, won't they? Um, because he's already got lots of injuries and he's worried about fixture congestion, like we are. So, you know, maybe we can afford to play a squad team and still be good enough to beat them. So, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. But anyway, that that was next week, and we'll we'll be back, like I say, with a preview of that um, ahead of that game with the with the late night ramble, that, which will be back next week. Uh, but thanks again, boys, for for your thoughts on that match. We'll move on now to the review of 2020. So, boys, looking at 2020, um, we're going to do some awards, but let's let's sort of talk highlights of 2020 first. Obviously, the beginning of 2020, Aston Villa had just lost to Watford, I think, uh, before in 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 2019. First game up was Burnley, and we were sitting. I think looking at the table on 18 points after 20 games with a minus 11 goal difference. Uh, there was a really good article on on The Athletic actually written by one of the other guys, not Greg Evans, I can't remember who it was, but about Villa's transformation. Um, and it talked about how we were, I think our XG against was about 1.96 a game, which basically you know, giving up nearly two goals a game uh, and we were really struggling. 
And I wasn't, I mean, we weren't a million miles away from, from sort of being mid table at the turn of the year after the Burnley game, which we won obviously two one. Um, but I think there was, there was bigger problems at hand in terms of how we were playing and, and the amount of chances that we were, were conceding those earlier months, Chadzi, give me your thoughts on those, those sort of earlier games that we had. So we had sort of Burnley where we won two one, went out of the FA cup to, uh, Fulham. Then we had the Leicester city semi-final, uh, two legs, which were amazing. Manchester City game where we got absolutely trounced. Danny Drinkwater coming in, signing. Borjo Baston signing. A really bad January transfer window, um, and the win and that sort of late late win against against Watford. Um, and then in February we had obviously um, the the games against really poor run of games against Southampton, Tottenham, and and Bournemouth, which we lost all three. And then finally in March we had the the Leicester City game. We lost four 0 and obviously the the, the League Cup. Loss against Man City. Those those first three months before COVID hit. What were your what were your thoughts on that initial period, and what were you thinking as a fan at that time? Well, I was out, I was out the country um, in South Africa in January for the whole month, and I obviously saw all the Villa games. Uh, the New Year's Day game was a brilliant performance at Burnley, and I really felt like Wesley had, had clicked into the team. Um, the performance, his link up with Jack, they both got a goal that day, I think. Uh, and we looked really good. It was a really good performance and good win. And I, I felt like that was going to be the the result that maybe turned our season around a bit. But it was actually probably a bit the other way. It did give us a bit of momentum for a couple of weeks. But, you know, Wesley's injury and Heaton's injury can't be downplayed in terms of our sort of decline in February, March. Because, you know, Wesley was basically our only striker and really coming into his own. And Heaton was, you know, the goalkeeping situation was a complete mess after his injury. He, he was a... He is a quality goalkeeper and very experienced player. Um, but yeah, some special moments in January. I remember you know, the last-minute goal against Leicester, celebrating that in Hard Rock Cafe in Johannesburg, the, the last-minute goal against Watford, watching that with a Bournemouth fan who, and a Watford fan who both obviously were um, had vested interest in us in us dropping points. And um, class a couple of class moments. I remember texting you lads about and being so gutted that I wasn't in the whole time with you. And, and I remember Decker saying how class the atmosphere was and the scenes in the whole time. So it was a sort of good start to the year, wasn't it, barring the, the Man City disaster. But after that, we we really, we declined massively. And there was there were times when it looked like we were, we were gone, completely out of our depth. And Decker and I were at that Leicester game where, um, you know, it was men against boys that... The attitude wasn't right. There was something you, you just couldn't put your finger on it, but something wasn't right that night. And you know, I was fairly certain walking out of that ground that we were we were very close to um, relegation again, uh, and we looked dead and buried. And as we've mentioned so many times, we were saved by by lockdown. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that that Leicester City game, I remember. I, I think I I was one of the, probably the only time I've ever switched off a game where I just had enough and it was just. Just a bit downhearted about it all, and uh, I think after the the Man City loss as well, which was I think was it the week before uh, from memory. Um, when was it? Let's have a look. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, the, but eight days before, uh, it just seemed like everything was going against us. Decker's obviously we were all at the the final um, uh, against Man City, a weird game really where we put in quite a, a decent display, uh, all told, but couldn't quite finish. 
uh, finish our chance off that we had at the end of, of that second half with Engels hitting the hitting the post. What were your feelings at the end of that game going into the Leicester City game and going to those, well, before we knew COVID was hitting, going into those last sort of 10 or so games? What were your feelings, feelings in terms of what this side could do? Were you pretty confident or were you pretty downhearted like me after that loss? Yeah, I mean, we kept, that was sort of a free hit, I thought. Like, we came out of there. I wasn't too downbeat then, but I do remember the feeling at, the, at Leicester away it's the first time we, I mean, we left at 3 0. And I've, I don't think I've ever left a game early, home or away. Um, and it was just, it was a really down time, really. It was like we were thinking, I was thinking, I can't see us getting out of this at all. Um, and like Chado said, basically, lockdown did save us. We came back after that. They looked like they'd shored it up at the back because that was. That was the thing. We were just leaking goals left, right and centre. Um, looked so poor at the back. So, And we came back almost a different side, really. So, um, yeah, like Chalo said, it was, it was exactly what we needed. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like it was. Uh, it came at the right time for us, uh, that lockdown period. And obviously that, that showed in the end in terms of how we survived. But, Jugsy, I mean, what do you... We've talked about this at length before, so I obviously don't want to spend too much time on it, but... What did you th- what did you think? How do you think we changed as a team over the lockdown period compared to what we were doing before lockdown and looking at the Leicester City game, those games before against Southampton, etc., Man City, etc., to those games afterwards? Um, what, what, what what do you think? What do you, how do you think we adapted as a team? I just thought we were sort of a bit more organised as a team. Um, we had more defined roles. I thought the back four were better drilled, so we spent a bit more time on our shape. Um, we had a bit more of a defensive approach with sort of Dougie Louise and McGinn sort of sitting in the midfield and sort of there was less space in between the three sort of lines of, of of the team, if that made sense, because I felt it was so easy for the opposition to attack our back four a lot in, in the first half of the season. And yeah, we created chances and were a bit gung-ho, but we didn't have that quality in that final third where other teams would punish us if we made a mistake. So I think having a defensive approach really helped and we only picked up two points from the first five games post-lockdown. So it wasn't like it was a massive improvement in terms of results, but the performances were better, I thought. We just looked a bit more solid and sometimes you need a bit of luck. So we got a lot of goals with set pieces and things like that. So again, that helped being so um, well-organised and well-drilled. One goal could mean three points in that situation because we weren't conceding a lot of goals or conceding a lot of chances. And yeah, I thought that was a massive difference and it helped as well because Watford and Bournemouth didn't really pick up many points. So if one of them teams had a a good start to that period, then we would have been really struggling after our start. But yeah, so we we had it in our own hands and we we made massive improvements in in terms of how we we set up as a team, really. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. Obviously, we had the Sheffield United game first up which was controversial because the VAR decision, but even then, you know, that was 42 minutes into the game. You know, it's not golf and goal. There's plenty of game left to play and who knows what would have happened. You know, we were definitely the better team overall in that game, I thought. We just couldn't finish those chances off with Davis playing up front. You know, he had a couple of chances himself. Um, and then, you know, looking ahead, uh, obviously the rest of that, the rest of that uh, period, you know, we didn't pick up many points at all. Uh, a couple of draws against Sheffield United, and, and Newcastle. And then it was the Crystal Palace game, really. Main, after the May night game, you know, I think most of us thought we were down and out. It was really that Crystal Palace game which gave us a bit of hope um, after Trezeguet 
came came to the came to the fore really and started delivering, scored in his goals. Everton game, obviously the Al Ghazi miss that we all remember, and he was hounded about. And then the massive win against Arsenal, the, the one 0 win, which was a, a really like I said, new look Aston Villa were quite defensively resolute, but able to to punish Arsenal when it counted and and held off and could have easily got the second. And then that West Ham game. Let's quickly talk about that before we we talk about um, talk about uh, the awards. Chadzi, just give me your thoughts on that. Obviously, we all watched that together, socially distance that West Ham game. Such an important game, such a massive game in terms of almost like a sliding doors moment for us in terms of where we're at now. Tell yeah, me your yeah. feelings about that match. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a bit of um, light relief, wasn't there, early on with Arsenal getting a couple of early goals against Watford, but Bournemouth took a Bournemouth, Bournemouth took a lead at Everton. So we, we definitely had to get the draw uh, we would have been down with with the defeat, I think, in the end. But um, that the Grealish goal is the most I've celebrated a goal when I haven't been at the stadium. You know, for for our captain to put it out of the bag at the most important time and see what it meant to him. You know, we absolutely hit the roof watch, watching it in a in a lounge and and the, the players playing in it in an empty stadium seems so surreal for that whole period. It's kind of become the norm now, but. For the captain to do something like that, you know, he he lifted the trophy at Wembley. He's the one that led us to promotion, and it would have been so unjust for him to be part of a relegated Aston Villa team. And it never sort of felt like that was going to happen. You know, he said at some point during the season that we won't go down, and he basically single-handedly, along along with um, maybe a bit of input from Tres towards the end of the season, he saved us and. Um, it is a, such a romantic story that he's the one that scored the goal that kept us up. But then, you know, within 60 seconds, it was his deflect, a deflection off his foot from Yarmolenko that looped over Reina. I mean, we'd gone from sheer ecstasy to hitting the floor and I felt physically sick. I remember I, I couldn't watch the next five minutes. I went and stood in the garden. I couldn't believe what was unravelling. But it ended up being our day and the scenes at full time were superb and... You know, as a club, we've we've learned all the lessons from last season and kicked on, and um, it's a massive, massive relief because the fortunes of our club could have been so different if those last couple of weeks hadn't hadn't gone the way they did. Yeah, yeah, it's a massive turning point for us, and you know that 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 last day survival I think has done so much for the club in terms of mentality as well, and I think we've seen that obviously at the beginning of this season. We obviously had that four-game winning run at the beginning of this season and that memorable, never ever forget it, it'll be one of the things that we talk about to future generations, the 7-2 win against Liverpool, um, you know, the four-game winning run, beating Leicester, beating Fulham, beating Sheffield United. Um, and then ever since then, you know, we've continued to, to perform well. Obviously had the summer window as well, which we'll talk about, but I think we'll talk about that when we go to the best signing of the of the summer or best signing of the year as well. So we'll talk about a bit more about that then. But that Liverpool game, 7-2, Deckers, just tell me your, tell me your, you know, looking back at that game now, obviously it was a surreal moment at the time. We were all sort of open mouth, gobsmacked about what was going on. But just tell me now, looking back at that game, what what your feelings about that game and you know, how long will that live in the memory for? Well, would, um, we'll never forget it. It's, um, it's the best performance I've ever seen Villa um, produce because well, it, it was just a bit surreal and I'm like so gutted that we couldn't be there for it, but I, the part of me does think, I wonder if it would be, it would be the same outcome if it was a stadium full of fans. Um, but the way that we took Liverpool apart, um, 
was just a joy to watch. It's like I say, it's the best game I've I've seen us play. Yeah. Yeah, without doubt, I think. Um, we've had so many good performances and so many more important victories as well this season, but that one was always stand out. And, you know, there's been the Leicester 1 0 the win away. There's been the Arsenal win, Wolves win as well. You know, there's been so many notable mentions. And we're you know, currently sitting, what, six in the table with a couple of games in hand potentially after this weekend still. Um, and one of those is against Newcastle, which you would hope we'd win. But really, I think it's been a roller coaster of a ride 2020. Um, started off terribly. We've managed to survive somehow um, with results going for us. And then, you know, what we've done this season has been remarkable. And hopefully it's the start of something. I know we haven't started 2021 in the best way, but hopefully it's the start of something really exciting and the start of a, an era for Villa where we can actually win stuff and, and do well in the league. But let's move on to the awards then to finish off the show. Uh, let's start with the the best signing of the year. Because uh, we haven't talked about the summer transfer window, because I imagine oh, well, it's not going to be Borja Baston or Danny Drinkwater. Let's be honest. Um, so let's just focus on the summer. Jugsy, give me your give me your nomination for best signing of the of the season of the of, well, of the year. Sorry, I think yeah, I'm going to go for Watkins. I know he hasn't really got the goals that his performances deserve, but I just feel like he's made a massive difference to our team, um, and he's been one of the reasons, main reasons why we've performed so well this season. Yeah, okay. Ollie Watkins, Chadzi, who are you going for? Um, yeah, uh, you know, it shows how good the transfer window was. It could have been any one of the four or five key signings, I think. But for me, Martinez has been absolutely crucial. I think the goalkeeper is the most important player in any team and the impact he's had both individually from from his, his own work, but the impact he's had on the rest of the team and the back four, uh, most specifically. Um, he's won us plenty of points already. Um, and he's so assured. So for me, it's got to be Martinez. Deckers, who are you going for? Uh, Martinez as well, just with all the clean sheets that we've had. I just um, thought, yeah, I've got to go for him. Yeah, uh, that's a tough one for me. It could be any of them, but I would think Matty Cash also deserves a mention. Watkins, I think in the way in the way that we play in terms of overall play is so important to us. But I think, you know, you're right. that For someone like Martinez, the quality, top four standard keeper, it's a... It's a sign of progression and sign of where we're at and sign of our ambition. So for me, Martinez. So well done, Emmy Martinez. The award will be in the post. You win best signing of the year. So next award, best goal of the year. Jugsy, what are you going for? Um, for its importance and how we all celebrated it, I think it's Jack's, Jack's goal on his left foot against West Ham. Just for him being the captain, being, being the local lad, being written off for not being able to keep his team in the league and doing that. That that goal was magical, really, for me. Chads? Seconded. That's who I've gone for. Deckers? Yeah, the same. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in terms of the overall quality of goal, I think there's obviously been other goals that we can talk about. Um, Torres' goal, Barkley's goal, um, Trez's goal against Arsenal. Um, there's been there's been plenty of goals, I think, that in terms of quality, they've been better. But I think in terms of importance and the best goal, it has to be. It has to be Jackson. It? it can't be anything else. It has to be that one. I know it's a deflection, whatever. It doesn't really matter. It's it's the best goal, and the best goal we will score for a long time because it's changed our fortunes as a club. Right, next one. Let's talk uh, best moment of the year. So, Deckers, what's your best moment of the year? Uh, for me, the the best moment was um, being in the whole end for the um, uh, Trezeguet's last minute winner against Leicester. To um, like we. Couldn't believe it was another last-minute winner two Tuesdays on the trot and um, put us through to Wembley. So, um, yeah, got to go with that. 
yeah um yeah i think i think that's up there definitely oh, so many isn't there there's that there's uh well conza slash mings's goal against watford there's obviously Grealish's um goal against west ham there's any of the goals against liverpool uh for me, I think though, I think more important for me, I think I, I think all those are important. Obviously, Grealish is, is the most important moment of the year. I think the best moment for me probably is Algarzi scoring the last minute winner against Wolves. There's a local derby. You know, we haven't been playing that great in that game. And it was a sign of where the team was at, that the fact that we dug in and the sign of what happened afterwards as well in terms of Agazi scoring, him being out of the picture, him getting handed off social media, Tyra Mings coming out in support of him, that togetherness of the team, the rapport the team has had and the way they backed each other. I think that's so important. And I think that's going to have a massive impact in terms of him now scoring, what, five goals in six games, being such an integral figure in those last few games that we've won and done so well in. And hopefully that means that togetherness shows off in the, in the rest of the season as well. I think it's a really important moment in, in, in our season. Chadzi, what were you going with? Um, for similar reasons to you as the Al Ghazi one, um, just the last minute nature of it, the fact that we never really looked like winning but were playing well. It was Barkley's goal at, at Leicester. I think, um, you know, that was um, the start of an incredible season for us in terms of the run we were on and it felt like it maybe was coming to a bit of an end that night in terms of we might have dropped, dropped points. But for, for our new signing to sort of um, establish himself in the team, um, the way he played and the way he linked up with Jack that night for him to cap the performance with such a quality goal um, it, it was a, sort of the excitement really kicked in for what could be for, for the season ahead Jugsy, yours? Um, going for something slightly different I'm going for the huddle uh, post West Ham match where all the players all the staff were together waiting for the result of the Watford Arsenal game and that togetherness and how jubilant they were and celebrated together, I think that moment was pretty special. And I know Roy King gave us a bit of stick, but a lot of hard work and effort went to them last few games. And that team stuck together. They had each other's backs, adapted and just showed they were good enough to stay in that league. So that moment was pretty special for me. Nice. Yeah, I like that. And uh, I'm sure I'd be interested to hear what Roy Keane said about Man United yesterday celebrating. They celebrated more that win yesterday more than we did surviving. On the on the last day of the season, so I know we've all gone for different ones, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna just say I think I agree with Jugsy. I think that is got to be the best moment of the year is us surviving. I know we we were still waiting for that result. We were all together, McGinn going crazy, jumping on everyone's back before he'd hear the result before anyone else. Uh, Almo there waiting on the phone. It's just amazing moment uh, and something I'll never ever forget. So in terms of a moment, I know it's not an in game moment, but it's relevant and I think I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go for that one as well, Jugs. I know I've said something different earlier, but I think that one has to be the best moment of the year. So, yeah, that wins the best moment of the year. Right, two more, uh, three more we're going to do quickly. Uh, firstly, most, actually, no, we'll do this as, as as one then, I think. Actually, we'll do two more. This is most underrated slash best or most improved player of the year. Chazzy, who are you going for? Um, well, I'd had them as two separate ones. Most improved for me is Trezeguet because he's gone from being somebody that you couldn't trust and generally you just thought was a bit of a comical really at times to being one of our most um, assured performers in the last couple of months. So I'd go for Trezeguet most improved and underrated. Maybe it's similar. Maybe you want to combine the two, but I've got to throw Target in there as well. He's been superb, but I also think he was pretty underrated last season despite everything. He was playing in a in a, diff in a team that were conceding a lot of chances and he seemed to be 
be uh, be the man that caught the stick, really. But I think if he looks like Matty Cash, he'd get a lot less stick than he does. <laughs> what are you saying, mate? You I'm saying, saying that people, <laughs> people draw biases, the unconscious biases of people that look differently. Yeah, no, I agree. Legend, agree. by the way. Legend, yeah. yeah. Oh, let's keep it as two awards then. I think, yeah, let's do that then. Jugsy, who are you going for? Um, underrated, I'm going for Courtney House. I think for a two million or three million pound signing, he's never let us down really when he's played. Whether he's played as part of a back three or alongside another centre back, he's been dominant physically, and he showed he's capable to step up in this in this league. So I think that's been one of our sort of good signings, considering the money we spent on him. Um, and uh, most improved, um, Dougie, Dougie Louise or concert. But I'm going to go for concert just because I had personal reservations about him. I thought he really struggled in that first half of the Premier League season. I thought I didn't think he looked a player, to be honest. I thought he got caught on the wrong wrong side um, too many times. His positioning was off and he just looked missing in games as well. Didn't really look authoritative in any way. And for, for the way he's come into our defence and been the standout player has been phenomenal. And he's only 23 as well. So the sky's the limit for him. So yeah, again, he's turned it around and impressed me the most. Deckers? Uh, most improved, I had um, Douglas Louise because I could thought there, there was always a player in there, but he wasn't quite performing at the levels that we knew he could. And then uh, after lockdown, he came back and he's just getting better and better every game. Um, and most underrated, I had Target because of... I don't think he's ever really let us down and um, he's come under a lot of stick. So, yeah, went with Matt Target. Yep. Okay, yeah, I think... Um, well, okay, so what I'm going to go with... I would have gone for Dougie Louise's most improved, but actually I think overall in 2020, he was, he's was he been good for most of, this, most of the year. I think when he was bad was probably 2019, more more so than 2020. So I think he's been good throughout the year, really. I think Burnley game, he was really good. I remember that first game. And then ever since lockdown, he came back, he was our best player. And probably the most important player alongside Trezeguet in terms of why we survived. Uh, I know Grealish saved us at the end, but you know there was a lot more that went on before that. Um, so I would probably go for, not Dougie Louise, most improved. I'd probably go for Konza, I think, as well. Uh, it started off with that Watford game uh, at the in January. Um, I thought he was fantastic in that game. And then, you know, he's been brilliant, I think. Um, and, and, you know, Trezeguet, I think, probably yeah you could say but then again Trezeguet you know he, he, at the beginning of January or whatever it was you know he scored that important goal and he did well in post lockdown so in terms of improvement I think again it's an improvement from 2019 rather than 2020 so I'd go with Konza I think um, because again Konza was sort of playing right back post lockdown and then towards the end of that lockdown period came in played centre back when House got injured and you know we massively changed our fortunes after that and he's carried that on so yeah Konza for me most underrated, I have to go for Target as well. I think um, he's come under so much stick. House is definitely a close second. I think for the money we paid, I agree with Jugs. He's been such a good signing. And, and again, it's been so important these last few games as well. I'm unlucky to miss out against Man United. But I think Target, the amount of stick he gets is undeserved. He's shown both sides of the games. You know, I think he's he's shown initially how good he is going forward, linking up with Jack uh, on the left-hand side. And so important to our play and how we play going forward. Uh, but then this this season, you know, he's shown a completely different side to him. He hasn't got forward as much as say Matty Cash has done. But defensively, he's come up across. across uh, sorry, he's come up against a lot of good, really good wingers, uh, some of the best wingers in the league, and he's been a match for every one of them. So he has to be it for me. Uh, he has to be 
the, the most underrated and he's been probably our most one of our most consistent performers this year you know he's hardly put a foot wrong even against Man United I thought he was really played really well so yeah target so the two winners I think uh, there then looking at the votes I think Edry Konza wins most improved and then target wins most underrated last one I think this is going to be a really simple one best player Chads Jack Grealish Jack Grealish Deckers Super Jack Who's, who's your best player apart from Jack Grealish? Um, Douglas Louise, I'd go for. Douglas Louise, For me, yeah. Tyrone Mings, you know, probably, you know, again, he, he probably wasn't as consistent as he would have liked to be in the, in the early half of 2020, but he's established himself as an England international now when beforehand he was sort of a, um, a fringe Premier League player, if that makes sense. So probably probably has to be Mings. Yeah, Deckers? Yeah, I think Mings is a good shout. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of it before, but I'll go with him. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think I'll go for Dougie Louise as well, I think. Um, yeah, Mings, I, I mean, I think it's unfair the stick he's got. I think he's he, he seems to be, you know, it seems to be, everyone seems to go crazy when he puts in a good performance. So everyone seems to think he's one of the worst players ever when he puts in a bad performance. So I think it's just one of those things. I think he does make more mistakes than he should, but overall, I think he's so important to our team. But I think Dougie Louise for his performances post-lockdown, how important he was to our team. His performances this year, again, not been amazing every single game. He's had a couple of games where he wasn't at his best, but I think overall, especially I'm thinking back to that Arsenal game, the games against Chelsea yesterday, I thought, you know, against the best teams, he's been amazing. You know, he's been he's showed his value uh, as a player. There is actually an argument, you know, for, for giving Grealish most improved as well. Which is sounds yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, to, no, it is sounds true, ridiculous true. to say. I did think about you, that. You, yeah. you don't have to be a shit player to improve. You know, he's gone from being excellent to world class. You know, his what he's doing this season consistently, the numbers he's delivering, the, his performances week in week out, his consistency, mm. he has improved significantly in the last twelve months under the 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 coaching of Dean Smith. You know, he he, he was good last season. He was good last year, but. He's hitting different levels now. You know the comparisons to Eden Hazard are are not not unfair. You know he, yeah. he he's absolutely yeah. superb. He would walk into any team in this league, and you know we've waxed lyrical about him enough times. But let's make sure we don't start taking him for granted because no, my no. word, he's an incredible footballer, and he's our captain, and he loves the club as much as us. It's the days of our lives. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the goals and assists he got are actually in 2019, weren't they? He wasn't yeah. that amazing post lockdown, yeah. or even sort of pre lockdown, really. And not a lot, a lot of that is his own fault. It was just the way that we were playing, and he didn't have much support. But what he's done this this season, it's just ridiculous when you think about it. I I didn't think he would be doing what he's doing at this level. I thought I always thought he'd be, you know, good enough and and do well for us. But I'd never thought he'd be this good. And you uh, could also probably give him. Um, Underrated because not enough people still rate him, and signing of the season because the, the new contract was. <laughs> so Jack wins everything. Jack wins everything. All right, Jack wins everything. There we go, guys. End of year awards. Jack wins everything. Team of the season. Everything. Player of the season. Manager of the season. He's actually managed us a few times, hasn't he? He's he's chipped in. Dean Smith mentioned that he's chipped in with tactical decisions and ideas and stuff. So yeah, he wins everything basically. All right, boys. Thank you for that. That's the awards ceremony. Uh, no red carpet this year, I'm afraid, because of COVID. Uh, but they're the winners. But uh, thanks again, boys. Thanks for listening, everyone. I will be back next week with the late night ramble with another special guest. Um, probably Wednesday, Thursday before the game on Friday. Um, 
But like I always say, if you're first time listening, then please do subscribe and follow us on whatever podcast platform you're on. We're on all the major ones. If you're on Apple, leave a review and rating. If you haven't checked it out, check out a Dwight York interview. It's on YouTube. Just type in the Villa Talks podcast and you'll find it. Um, thank you for all the listens and views so far. Thank you for an amazing 2020. Uh, we only really started in September, I think it was. So we've had an amazing few months, but it's been fantastic. And the, the, how quickly we've grown has been testament to you guys and a testament to the guys here join, join, joining me today and how well they've done and the insight that they bring. So thank you again, guys. Happy New Year to everyone. And uh, up the villa. Up the villa. Cheers, arms. Up the villa. I love it. I love it.